when I talk to customers, I very often will ask them, how many pieces of software are you deploying across your organization that are in support of your operational systems? And the answers I get keep going higher. 10, 15 years ago, the answer used to be between 15 and 20 pieces of software. Now I'm starting to hear answers, but you're more closer to 30 and 40 pieces of software. Software that spans everything from stuff that's running on edge computers, things that are running in data centers, things that are running in the cloud, um, increasing investments. They're, 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 they're accelerating, right? When years ago, we didn't have as many predictive analytics and artificial intelligence solutions. They're just increasing. However, the number of times I've spoken to customers and said, do you believe that you're getting the value across your organization out of those investments you've already made? The answer is never yes. They never feel that they're getting the appropriate value out of their existing investments. So what I believe will be the future of the connected worker. We'll be able to empower them with the information that spans the gambit of all their investments across different software systems. From Aviva Studios, this is Our Industrial Life, where we explore how data and technology are shaping the future of the connected industrial economy. I'm your guest host, Juliana Arnim, and today we're discussing the concept of the connected worker. A lot of the time the phrase connected worker can come off as a buzzword, and it can mean a lot of different things depending on your perspective, your industry, and many other factors. But that doesn't mean that the connected worker is a meaningless concept. In fact, some industry analysts report that nearly three quarters of industrial companies have started some kind of connected worker initiative, and that these workers perform their activities better, faster, and more safely. Defining the connected worker is probably difficult because there's probably a lot of interpretations of what is a connected worker. That's John Krajewski. He's the Vice President of Product Management for the HMI and SCADA business unit of Aviva. So if, uh, if someone is on the job site, and maybe not even job site, but if someone's doing a job for you and they have a walkie-talkie, are they a connected worker? I think by some definitions, the answer may be yes. However, when I tend to speak of connected worker, very often I think about it from a perspective of they need the tools to make them aware of situations things that um, tools that they may uh, also help them to analyze whatever inferences they're happening. Hey, I see that thing doesn't look right. Let me confirm my suspicions so I can determine if this is correct. Tools that allow them to take action on whatever interpretations they've made. And then ultimately I see it needing to be able to be able to um, improve those things so that how do I ensure that whatever maybe anomaly as an example that took place doesn't happen again, or how do I empower others or prevent that from happening? So that notion of what I would consider of awareness, analysis, action, and improve, those are the things that I tend to think of when I think of connected worker. Does every connected worker solution address all phases? No. So John, let's back up a second. When we're talking about connected workers in this context, what kind of workers do we mean? Obviously, a lot of people in certain kinds of jobs experienced working from home during the pandemic. But we're not just talking about people logging into Slack or Teams and checking their work email from their living rooms, right? It's more nuanced in an industrial setting. And, you know, in my experience, what workers in the industries that I tend to serve are, are people who are in service of some industrial process. I'm thinking of worker as the person who's going to be, you know, they're working for that water facility or they're working for that manufacturing facility. 
workers, in other words, like those at Hen. Hen actually is a company where we are very happy if end customers are not aware of, yeah, because uh, what Hen is doing is Hen is producing uh, connectors, uh, couplings. That's Christoph Mjandl. Christoph is the VP of Corporate Development and Innovation at Hen Connector Group, a German company that produces industrial connectors or couplings for the automotive industry as well as others. Every larger OEM that you know, every larger car manufacturer is relying on the products. All kinds of vehicles, starting uh, with battery electric vehicles, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. We also have products for fuel cell uh, vehicles, but of course, we are also very active in uh, the regular combustion engine vehicles. And we only produce connectors uh, for fluids and gases, uh, like for example, cooling a liquid or charging air. Uh, that are essential for the operation of the car. And uh, the reason why we call it fit and forget uh, is that actually we don't want any leakages. And without any leakages, clients or end clients like yourself as being the driver of a car or the owner of a car, you should not be aware of what we are actually doing. Hen was facing some challenges that John just alluded to. Lots of information coming in from the production line and no way for workers to easily access it and make meaningful use of it. Here's Christoph talking about the problem on stage at Aviva World in 2022. Uh, so if we talk about the challenge, the challenge was that we had no connection, uh, a system that was collecting data but was somehow overwhelmed with the amount of data. Uh, the problem is quite simple. You see here our machines. Eh? And in the moment, in the moment, you operate 18 assembly machines, so 18 lines where you have uh, these couplings falling into boxes, and 420 uh, assembly machines, completely automated, uh, a lot of data uh, generated. But well, we had no online connection. We were able to retrieve data when we needed it. Uh, so to be honest, we did not have data in house. And ultimately, we did not have any context. And whenever there was a claim and so on, uh, we had a lot of manual work to do to connect the dots. Huh? And our goal is uh, that we come from this reactive uh, support to a proactive support, huh? meaning that we using the, that we can use the data right at the time when it actually is generated and not months later. Huh? So I'd like to talk about a little bit about what a lot of folks in the industry are referring to as the connected worker. And I'm curious how things like, you know, remote worker access to data and things like that have affected your processes. Can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, so working from at home, doing mobile work, working from anywhere in the world is something that we uh all together quite used to wherever there is the possibility to work with modern workplace technology you can uh, do certain work another aspect to mobile or remote working is of course that uh, a lot of times like for example for us we have production sites that are in remote places from the headquarter we have also production sites that are run or operated by uh, third parties uh, 
which we partly own, uh, where we partly own the machines or where we simply have a contract with someone. And of course, it's very interesting for us to always keep track on what is happening elsewhere. Where are we with the machine? Uh, as you can imagine, in a discrete manufacturing process where we have to rely on producing every 1.7 seconds one of these connectors, it's crucial that it's not produced every two seconds or every 2.5 seconds. And especially when it comes to the commissioning of the machines to, well, finding the right way of producing the right speed uh, for production, the right setup for each and every single station. Uh, it's, of course, an advantage if you if you have full access to data, uh, not only if you're there right next to the machine, but also uh, remotely from anywhere in the world or from the headquarter, from your office space, also during nighttime, whenever it is required. And do the um, do your colleagues who are working, you know, off of the plant floor, are they communicating with their colleagues on the plant floor? Is there collaboration going on? Sure, of course, if they are communicating via Teams and 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 via the regular channels that everybody knows, email and so on. Uh, but ultimately, it's it, this is not enough if you want to have real time production information. Uh, then this real-time production information helps you for a lot of things. Of course, it matters how much you are producing and how much you can ship next week and how much you can ship next month and uh, how much you need to produce in the next year. Uh, this is, of course, very important. And uh, having access to the data right away helps tremendously to, to, to plan accordingly. So in some sense, it might be intuitive to think about why it's important for people to have access to real-time data about the situation on the production floor from anywhere. But can you put a finer point on what's at stake? Ultimately, you if you don't meet the target, you have to invest in another machine or you have a lot of customers that are unhappy because they do not get uh, the material on time. It again depends on what maturity level you have. In the past, of course, when you did the commissioning of a machine, people had to be on site and just by observation, they were checking, oh, where is the bottleneck? You have to imagine that this is a connected line with 18 stations, for example. If one station is delayed by some milliseconds or some seconds, this, of course, triggers through the entire process. And when you are there on site, you can immediately see that and act accordingly. Uh, on the other hand, you have to be there for for an extended period of time observing what's going on in order to really find out uh, what is the root cause of of the delay at one particular station because most of the time it's not uh, a delay that is there every single second huh? or every single item, uh, but it happens from time to time. And then you simply uh, do the analysis and find out what's going on just by observation. Let's take a step back and summarize what Christoph has laid out so far. Hen has these big, important production targets. Workers have to make sure that their machines on the line are running properly and producing at a rate of one coupling every 1.7 seconds. These couplings are used in almost every single car on the road. In fact, your car probably has one inside its engine now. Not to mention all its other uses outside the automotive industry. It's a small thing, but it has a mighty job. Because so many other companies rely on getting shipments of this part to make their products, it's imperative that Hen makes sure its production line is running smoothly. 
if and when something goes wrong or they receive a complaint. I can't really afford to have someone simply observing the machines, hoping they'll see where the glitch or bottleneck is occurring. But as we've already discussed, when you have a lot of machines and a lot of different systems all producing tons of different kinds of measurements and readings and data, it can be difficult to use this information to help diagnose issues unless it's all under one roof, in context, and easy to access. Lots of companies face this kind of challenge, so we asked John what kind of tools can help connect workers to the kind of data they need in a format that makes it easy to make smarter decisions. So when we consider the tools that would be applied in connected worker solutions, there's a variety of them. Uh, I would say the possibly the, the one set of technologies that has influenced this space most consistently has been smartphones and cloud networks, right? The, the fact that you're always connected now. So if you need to understand what the current state is of something, there are tools that facilitate you being able to see that, whether it's a dashboard you can bring up in your phone, a process graphic. Um, there, are, there are a plethora of mechanisms that allow you to understand the current state that your system is in. Earlier, I referred to that as gaining awareness. There are additional tools that allow you to do things, whether it's create charts ad hoc or be able to pull up content that allow you to be able to observe, to be able to identify and what your interpretations are. So if something is, hey, look, this temperature is higher than it usually is. There are tools that like make you aware of that. And then there are tools that allow you to figure out why is it higher. Often in the case when you're doing real-time operations, you need a decision that you can be making rapidly. Not a case of, well, let me look it up in that document. Can anybody find that document? I think that document's hidden in a locker somewhere, and it might take me days to find all this information. And I'm being a bit of exaggerated in that example, but if the information that you need access to takes you... You know, I gave an example recently where I was speaking to someone and I said, well, how do you get information out of the GIS system, the geographic information system, where they have a lot of spatial data? How do you get information out of that? He goes, well, I send an email to the GIS guy and he dumps it out for me and he sends it back to me. And sometimes it's wrong and I have to do that loop again with him. And so by the time that he's closed that loop of gotten that information back from the person that asked that he asked it from, the, the decision he had to make was already has already gone by. He's already had to make those decisions. In many cases, the action that you need to take may not be something you're skilled in. So there are tools that can train you on demand, um, all accessible through these smartphones and portable devices, you know, like tablets and others. Um, and ultimately being able to collaborate with others. So facilitating the access to their software investments in a timely manner that allows them to make the decisions that allow them to achieve those business outcomes I was describing earlier. That's where I believe that the connected worker experience will take off. So how exactly did Hen go about bringing all the data it was collecting from different machines and systems under one roof? How did the company make sure people had access to the data they needed, no matter where they were in the world? That's one very smart thing Hen did early on that made tracing root causes of any production problems much easier. We made sure from the very beginning that all these couplings are individually traceable. And this is why we implemented already almost well, more than a decade ago uh, a data matrix code, an individual data matrix code uh, on each coupling that allows us to to follow the coupling uh, through the entire lifetime. 
meaning during the production, but also uh, when it is in operation. And that incredibly helped us in the past to ensure the quality standards that are required by clients, which are the OEMs, and ultimately by their clients, which are which is the society which we are all together, making sure that there is no leakage. Here's Gerhard Bechter, the head of IT infrastructure at HIN, explaining more about the project from the Aviva World stage. In the past, we stored a lot of information in different systems. Every system had its own legacies, its own special features. And so we searched a new way to collect all information in one single system. For our Lighthouse project, we had just one goal, collecting all information from an assembly line. Data for monitoring, data that tells you you need to maintain a part in four hours, data to see current performance, past performance, and data that you help predict future performance. We wanted to be able to store environment information like temperature or humidity. We wanted to store sensor information like forces and also product information like set point, batch number, geolocation, assembly line, and so on. Every information can be stored with its own frequencies and own details. For example, we can store the inside temperature from our assembly line, or we store the temperature and the light lumen, or more complex information, and link it to a single timestamp. With the possibility to collect all information over time frames, we can dive deeper into any information we have a connection to. So we start our journey with printing a unique number and a data matrix code to our product. And this is a trip back in time to all what's happened in our entire environment until now. And the result of connecting its workers to this production data? For one, HEN increased its OEE by 10%, and the time it took to create reports decreased from two days to two minutes. That's an incredible time savings. We know everything what's happened in our entire environment. We know the humidity inside and outside from the assembly line. We know the movements from the robot which assembled the part. And this all with just one single identifier, the part number. And with the Aweber Data Hub, we can store our data, combine our data and also share it. Uh, Aweber was telling us that it's totally special and nobody else has done it uh, so far. But uh, this is not the reason why we are doing it, right? We are doing it basically because uh, we found out that sequential data storage is something uh, that we can actually make good use of. But process efficiency and improving root cause analysis aren't the only benefits Christoph sees coming from connecting people to data and to each other. I strongly believe that you can produce more if you're running the process in a very well-managed way. And uh, for a very well-managed process, you need to have a lot of data and you often have to deal with the data and work with the data. And it's the only way, really knowing your data well, doing a lot of stuff with it, that you can get the most out of the machines, the most out of your investments. What I always have in mind is that with connected data, you can start doing very transparent benchmarking, online benchmarking uh, of certain 
of, yeah, of certain suppliers, of certain uh, tasks, of certain other things uh, that happen in a production process, for example, uh, that help you to know your position better than you have been knowing that in the past. Let me put out one example. If, for example, we had two ceiling element providers for our uh, for our couplings, huh? then of course I can benchmark those two providers of the ceiling elements by good and bad parts that are produced just by counting the numbers. Here's Christoph on the Aviva stage again. It's very simple. If you look at the pieces that are that are on your seats, then you see that, for example, there's a ceiling element in it. So now you can imagine that we have two providers for the ceiling element. And it often happens that, well, the quality of the ceiling elements is a little shaky, going up and down. And with the Pi system, we are able to online benchmark them, provide them ultimately, and this is our next step, huh? we will provide them with a dashboard where we show them, hey, <laughs> you are supplier A huh? and the other one is supplier B and you are worse. Huh? And there will be a red line huh? and then you, uh, you can try to bring it up. And the biggest uh, advantage for us is if it's online, we can immediately react. At the moment, we are reacting three months after it, huh? after the effect and say, okay, hey, you know, supplier A, you had a, <laughs> we had a rough time and we were producing a lot of uh, 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 NEO parts. Huh? Now, it's online. At the end of the day, being a connected worker really just means having digital access to data that's presented to you in context and in a meaningful way. It means being able to share information strategically between teams, people, and systems as we discussed before, industry analysts predict that these sorts of technologies can potentially bring massive financial benefit to companies that adopt them. So what will it take to convince more companies to embrace it the way Hen has? So when you look at the, the, the rate of adoption and what impacts the rate of adoption and concerns associated with that, you kind of almost have to look first at what is the primary responsibility of anybody working in these operational technologies. Your job may be keep it running. And sometimes you'll notice that you may be more reactive. I'm reactive to this breakdown or this alarm or this interlock that's occurring. We have other organizations which are much more proactive in their plans. I have this key performance indicator I need to meet. I've got this production target I need to execute. And those people that are working towards those, those proactive goals, they'll start looking at, you know, what are those things that will be early indicators of this thing not working appropriately? Again, those are examples of things that will drive you through this change. And while I'm sure that there are industries that, you know, have their own priorities, the one thing that's consistent across almost every one of them is the safe and continuous control. That is the tend to be the number one objective, whether or not you're operating a pipeline or you're purifying water or you're delivering power into systems or you're packaging food uh, into packages, the safety of those systems and the continuous execution and prevention of downtime of those systems is usually the top priority. So anything that might put that at risk is often initially um, not embraced until there is a, a, an explicit reason why it's known to offer you an advantage. Does it help me from a perspective of, am I going to be more efficient? Am I going to make less mistakes? 
Am I going to be able to get better yield out of my processes? You have to convince people that that first that there's going to be an advantage or a reason that they need to address those things and that those that those advantages will outweigh the risks. For his part, Christoph sees some potential benefits in expanding Hen's data sharing network even further. I have a, a strong feeling that not everything uh, that can be done is already done. Uh, mm-hmm. We will discover a lot more possibilities when it comes to data. We will discover a lot more possibilities when it comes to connectivity. Uh, we will discover a lot more new things when it comes to using data collaboratively. Eh? Cross right. industries, cross companies. Looking into that, I see a lot of things that can actually happen if we would allow people to access our production data or if our clients would allow us to access their data to a certain extent. I cannot tell if it is about me, uh, this would be my vision. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wherever I supply into, I want to have some usage data. Wherever someone is supplying uh, to my business, I would be more than happy to share some data uh, Mm -hmm. because ultimately it means that everybody can improve based on the data. And I think we, as a society and also as as companies, we should be way more open uh, to that than we are today. That's it for part one of our two-part series on The Connected Worker. We hope you join us for part two, where we'll explore more about working and collaborating in the cloud. This is Our Industrial Life. Thanks for listening.